when you come out from the corporate world, right? Maybe some like it happened to you as well, right? You come from the corporate world and then you're like, okay, I'm just going to be an artist now or an entrepreneur. You have been hiding behind the corporate America brand for, you know, all these years. You don't really know who you are and what you're going to kind of sell. So that's really first what you need to figure out. And and I think we're just, yeah, a lot of us are just not used to selling ourselves. And that's what we do, even if it is your art that you're actually selling. You're selling a piece of you because you created that art. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello there, Passion Maker. This is Miriam Shulman, your curator of inspiration. And you're listening to episode number 239 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so grateful that you're here. Today, we're talking all about humane marketing. But before we get there, we are in the final countdown for the book launch of Artpreneur. We're in January and good news. We did secure a place to have our book launch party. Everyone is invited. If you can drag your ass to New York City, it's going to be in this really great gallery on the Lower East Side. It's the Thomas Nichols Project. They feature Cuban artists. So that will be January 31st from 6.30 to 8.30. I hope you can make it. And if not, you can toast us virtually. Don't forget that there's a ton of book bonus goodies available to you when you head on over to artpreneurbook.com. I don't want you to miss out on them. Okay, now on with the show. Over a decade of running a successful LinkedIn consulting business, inspiring a yearning in her to create a global movement that encourages people to bring more empathy and kindness to business and marketing. As a hippie turned biz coach, she has written two books, hosts the Humane Marketing Podcast, and works with heart-centered entrepreneurs to question their assumptions when it comes to marketing and give them permission to market their business their way, the gentle way. She shares a fresh perspective and doesn't shy away from calling things out that no longer work for many of us when it comes to the current marketing model. Her clients sometimes refer to her as the female Seth Godin. Or sometimes we refer to Seth Godin as the female Santa Croce. Please welcome to the inspiration place, Sarah Santa Croce. Well, hello there. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Miriam. What a great intro. Thanks so much for having me. It's amazing to hang out with you. I feel like I'm hanging out with you in your studio because uh, I see these paintings back in the, in the background. And it's like, yay, we get to hang out. Yeah, you are in my studio. And where am I? Am I in Switzerland? Like, <laughs> Yes, exactly. You yeah. are. <laughs> one in New York City. Right. Super cool. Okay, there was something I was going to ask you about right before I hit record. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, what was that small talk bit? Oh, yeah, you had to change the name of your book. Oh, my gosh, what a tragedy. Yeah, it's a tragedy that I kind of laugh about now. Or, you know, how when you're 
on your knees in the bathroom and crying, people yeah. tell you, oh, there's going to be a silver lining. Don't worry. You'll see the silver lining. And you're like, what? And now I do still see the silver lining. I feel like it's had to happen. So what happened is two weeks after publishing the book under the name, The Gentle Marketing Revolution, I got a season desist letter telling me that gentle marketing has just been trademarked two weeks prior to the book launch. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, you know, it was going to be either getting myself into a legal battle or, yeah, coming up with another solution. And I'm like, you know, I'm talking about gentle marketing. Is this really what I need to get myself into? Negative energy, oh. non-gentleness. And so, yeah, I kind of took the other route and started over. Yeah. Book titles, are you can't go after someone's book title. You do know that, right? But is yeah, that the name of your program as well? And you wanted to keep it? It is. Yeah. Everything. Everything I had built over the two last two years, it was the program. It was basically the big idea, right? And so what I realized after feeling really self-pity for myself, I realized, well, nothing has really changed. It's just a term. The content is still there. It's still my IP. It's still my idea. So I just need to find another term for it. Which is? Yeah, which is now, so the, the book I republished under the name Marketing Like We're Human. And what I'm using for my website and kind of the big idea is humane marketing. And the reason I really feel better about that now, it's because it's bigger, you know, like I had to grow into that person and it's bigger, it's more in the zeitgeist, it's more inclusive because what I sometimes heard from man is like, yeah, that whole gentle thing, it doesn't really resonate. And and so now humane is just, yeah, it means everybody. So feel good about it. I like humane much better. Yeah. So when I was writing my book and I had chose Artpreneur basically the day before we sent in the book proposal with my agent, we're like, what should we call this book? You know? no. And then wow. um, after we signed the contract and we're, I'm really deep into it, I found out there was an artist who has a program called Artpreneur Academy or something like that. I'm probably giving my competitor like advertising, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. so I went to the publisher. I was like, is this a problem? like not for you <laughs> yeah like, okay, yeah cool yeah so moving on yeah awesome <laughs> okay so let's get into this because there's a lot of things i want to talk about but before we get there there is a real i mean this is about all about not having false scarcity not am i right like not being too pushy with sales and being kind of more authentic and personal. Would you would you say that would be like the the gist of it? Yeah, basically. So it comes from this place of me growing up in this online marketing world, right? I started my first business in 2006, 2007. We lived in California at the time in the middle of the social media buzz and boom. And with being exposed to all these online marketing people and just, yeah, learning the trade of online marketing, how it's been taught over the last decade or so. So that's how I grew my LinkedIn consulting business. And then every year feeling a little bit more 
yucky, a little bit more like, is this really me? You mentioned the hippie business coach, right? So I grew up in a hippie commune over here in Switzerland in the 80s. And so, you know, kind of that renegade part of me more and more just didn't feel good with some of the techniques that are being taught as this is just how you have to build a business. This is just how you have to do marketing. And so eventually just sitting on a therapist chair and saying, look, either I have to stop doing this or I come up with a different way. And that's where this idea of the gentle business revolution was born. I'm like, yeah, we need a different way for entrepreneurs. And I think especially for your audience with this right brain creative aspect to it, we need a different way to do marketing and not just cookie cutter approaches. So yes, it has to do with the scarcity. Yes, it has to do with the urgency, but I'm not saying let's throw all of these concepts in the garbage. I'm saying let's look at what they're meant for and let's use them in a different way with more empathy and kindness. That's what I'm saying. What would you say would be the number one thing that's wrong with traditional marketing? What was it that led you to that therapist chair with your marketing? Right. I would say that right now, two things. The first thing I noticed when I started to research this is that everybody was feeling anxious with either being the one who has to market their business or being exposed and being the consumer or the, the client from being exposed to certain kinds of marketing. It created anxiety. And I think that's just wrong. We have enough problems in this world already, right? Why why can't we find a way to do business, to make profit, to make money in a more humane way where, you know, we still sell and we still do business, but in a very different way. So that's one thing. And the other thing is I really feel that some of these marketing concepts, they're just really outdated because what's happened in the last five years globally, but then I'm also very much thinking about the U.S., what happened with your president, past president, all of these things that kind of we've evolved so much over the last five years. Humanity has consciously evolved so much and marketing has stayed the same. We're still treating customers kind of like as if they were not, you know, the smart human beings that they are. That's what I feel like is wrong. Yeah. I want to give an example. I saw recently somebody who is also promoting a book like I am, and they created a course, a free course to go along with the book like I am. And one of my friends said, did you see that she sent out an email saying you can't get this course, last chance to get the course for whatever the price of the book was? I'm going to change it just because I don't want to give away who this is, like dollars. And she's like, I don't understand that it's promoting the book. I said, well, she's probably using Frank Kern. And for those who don't know, 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 Frank Kern would probably be the king of the bro marketers that I'm guessing that you're talking about the type of marketing with a lot of false scarcity involved. And it's like, come on, 
The book is always available. Why, yeah. why are you pretending like it, it's going away? Or, or I mean, unless like this is a bonus that's going away, which I don't think it is. So mm. doing this doors closing on this course. So it was kind of weird for me to see that. Yeah, exactly. And and the weirdness of it is luring people into that, right? The, that it's there is no transparency about the offer. If there actually was something, like you said, if the program goes away or something, and being very clear about that, there's nothing wrong with using some urgency. Yeah. Because urgency, what it does, it helps people make a decision. Yeah. And so it's it's natural to want to help people make a decision because, because that's our job. If we feel like we are offering something of value, then as marketers, we want to help people make this buying decisions, but there's a good way to do it. And there's a wrong way to do it. Yeah. I mean, and now I want to give an example that I noticed recently of where urgency really helped. So what I'm going to give an example of, so I live in New York city and there's a lot of what we call boutique exercise gyms. So I don't, know that this is all over the country or all over the world, but it's definitely in the New York area where there'll be like a exercise place that only offers spin classes or classes or Pilates classes. And there are three places in my neighborhood that I like. Two of them are two different kinds of Pilates. And one was a spin cycle class, a spin class. And this one spin cycle class, you could only sign up for the classes for the week on Mondays for that week and a different Pilates class. You can only sign up for the classes on Tuesday for the week. And the third one, you can sign up whenever you want. Mm -hmm. One of them went out of business. Can you guess which one just went out of business? Yeah. The one where you can always sign up, right? And I'm not surprised because I found myself not signing up for it. Right. Oh, all back. Oh, I can do whenever I want. Oh, you know, and that kind of sense of urgency, like, oh, there's only 10 Pilates reformers. I better sign up on Monday if I want to make sure I get my spot with the teachers that I like. That sense of urgency really worked with me, but it wasn't about the false, or they weren't creating manufacturing false urgency, but they were creating something that was actually giving me a benefit of being able to reserve with a class ahead of time and the you can sign up whenever you want to anytime kind of create a situation where people just didn't feel they needed to sign up at all. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because now, of course, that I have this title of humane marketing, uh, I kind of feel like, oh, I need to do everything in a humane way. And and so what I'm currently experimenting with the humane marketing circle, which is my community, for this year, I had closed doors, right? So the typical thing where usually it's closed, people get on a waiting list until I open the doors and then I promote that the doors are open. And so it was interesting to see actually that, you know, yes, there was people signing up for the waiting list, but then when the doors were finally open, some of these people still didn't sign up. And so I, you know, went back to them and and then they're like, oh, I'm kind of still not deciding. Da, 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 da. And then for some of them, it, it was also like, well, I moved on to the next thing. They didn't tell me that exactly, but that's kind of what I felt. So I'm like, you know what, I'm actually going to experiment with 
open doors next year. And instead of having these, so meaning open doors all the time, right? So having people being able to join whenever they want. And instead running a certain workshops, paid workshops, and telling people, well, these workshops are going to be paid and they're free if you're in the community. And so kind of having the workshops as scarcity saying, you know, here's the workshop. This is a really good workshop. You can pay a one-time fee, which is the same amount, or even maybe I'll play with maybe even making it more than the community. And so using that as the leverage for getting people to join. So it's an experiment that we need to see, yeah, what works, what doesn't, but it's just interesting to play with these ideas, I think. Yeah. So we do have a lot of listeners who are also online course creators and art teachers. So a lot of this conversation is going to be relevant. But also, it's if you're selling physical products, the same thing. I personally experimented with two different kinds of sales. And I didn't send it to my entire list. So my first sale was I only sent it to 3,000 people. I've about 23,000 people on my list. So for 3,000 people, I took one of my premium classes, I put it at 50% off, and I only sent this offer to people who had seen the, who attended the masterclass where the offer was made. So I knew they were all. So I wanted to see, would they be motivated by a price cut? And that one, some sales, but that didn't do so well. Then I did a different sale and this one, a different product, because I wanted to experiment close together, but different segment of the list. And I didn't put it on sale at all, but I had basically exploding bonuses that went away. So first day you get this, you know, a one-on-one with me. Second day, you had to sign up the first day to get that. Second day, you had you had to sign up by the second day to get a second bonus. And of course, people who sign up on day one, get all the bonuses. And that worked much better. And so it showed me that a lot of beginning marketers think you have to put things on sale. Mm-hmm. And what this showed me is that you don't. And by giving extra value and having these value offers go away each day, I made more sales and also giving my audience a benefit. So it was a win for them as well. Yeah. It's just a a matter of how we phrase these things. It always is, right? Yeah. And then I just want to let also my, my physical sellers, in case they think they're left out of the conversation, this absolutely works for you. This is no different than the way cosmetic stores, they have gift with purchase only during a certain time. So they're not saying you can't buy you know, Lancome makeup after February 1st, but you can only get the free gift for a a certain amount of time. So I've encouraged a lot of my clients to what gift can you give with, with your art? So a lot of my clients did calendar sales in the fall and they offered a free pen with it. And that I'm not, cause that's something I've done myself. And that does really well that you have this certain gift with purchase and the gift is what goes away. So it's the same thing. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So what are some examples of hype marketing and how would you reframe those into more gentle marketing? Well, we talked about the, the the false urgency already. So that is definitely a big one. Um, the scarcity uh, as well. 
what I talk about in the book is the wealth signaling. What I've noticed over, you know, the last decade or so is like all these webinars and, and the big gurus mentioning, you know, I made this amount of money in two weeks with this technique, or this is how, how much money, or you even have the websites where they have, you know, how much money they're making on a constant basis. All of this creates so much anxiety for the people who are not there yet. And then these people are using that wealth signaling saying, this is how you're going to make so much money, you know, if you follow these six steps. And then they basically sell the program of how they got there. So that to me, it just no longer works. I feel like, I guess also because of the economy that we're in now, it, it just, it feels wrong to tell people that if you just follow these six steps, you're going to be a millionaire just like me. It just doesn't work like that. Maybe back in 15 years ago, yeah, you can create a huge audience because you're the first blogger. Today, it doesn't work like that anymore. It, it takes a bit more than just putting a blog out there and, and hoping to make millions. So this, to me, is, is part of the hype marketing, um, using money and how much money you can make to sell programs. That doesn't work anymore. So a humane marketer is going to talk about the positive outcome, not the negative outcome. Well, what we also are taught is this idea of the gap selling, you know, selling what you're missing basically and how shitty your life is uh, because you don't have this certain art or you don't have this program or whatever. And then, then waving this magical wand saying, oh, but I have the solution and I can get you to six figures, right? And so to me, that is negative marketing instead of positive marketing where it's like we use empathy and perspective taking and saying, I get your situation. It sucks. You know, yes, I understand. But here are the different ways that you can get out of the situation. And, and that's exactly what you're doing, but you're entrepreneur, right? It's like, I get it, but it's not like you're telling them, this is super easy. Here's the six steps and you're going to be a millionaire. It takes work. And I feel like that's, yeah, we need more of that in marketing. Yeah. There's a couple of things I want to unpack. So first of all, one thing that I tell my artists is that we learn from the whole bro marketing, traditional marketing culture, sell the pain. This is your... Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember you reading about that in your book. Oh, yeah. But if you're an artist, you're providing pleasure. So yeah. think about... So the example I give in my book is that they would never promote a movie by saying, it relieves boredom. <laughs> That's my right. like main point. They would say, it's a great movie and it's so much fun or it's so scary or it's what, right. whatever it is. So you're selling pleasure. So it's more about not thinking about their night sweats. So traditional marketing is going to say, what are they, what's keeping them up at night? What are their night sweats? It's all about their fantasies and their wet dreams. Like what is that pleasure that right. your art class, that your art product, that 
even if you're not selling one of those things, but you're selling like you are a coaching program or something else, how is what you're offering pleasurable? Like the right. pleasurable way, exactly. yeah. money perhaps. Yeah. I love that chapter on, in your book. And, and I'm thinking even especially now that everything is gloomy and gray, right? If we're coming with our marketing and it's like hitting us on the head with how shitty everything really is, it's like nobody, you know, we're all frozen and nobody wants to spend any money anymore. Yeah. Instead, if you focus on the pleasure and the positive outcomes, that that is so much better. Yeah. Okay. So why is selling so uncomfortable though for so many of us? I think it has a lot to do with you know, the worthiness and really believing in yourself. And you start out like that in your book. And, and that's part of my book as well. The rumbling piece of really figuring out who you are, what you stand for, what your story is, and believing in that. And yeah, showing up with that. And that goes for artists. It goes for entrepreneurs, especially I was just on a podcast yesterday when you come out from the corporate world, right? Maybe some like it happened to you as well, right? You come from the corporate world and then you're like, okay, I'm just going to be an artist now or an entrepreneur. You have been hiding behind the corporate America brand for, you know, all these years. You don't really know who you are and what you're going to kind of sell. So that's really first what you need to figure out. And, and I think we're just, yeah, a lot of us are just not used to selling ourselves. And that's what we do. Even if it is your art that you're actually selling, you're selling a piece of you because you created that art. What collectors really want is a piece of the artist. Mm, yeah. Sarah, would you agree that it's harder for women who have put their families first their whole lives? Like there's a lot of women who it's like me last, everyone else first. It becomes harder for them to really dig into who they really are. Yeah. It really just takes that undigging of who we are and, you know, owning that part of the story. And once you do, though, it really is just so liberating and it feels like you don't care if you sell anymore or you don't because you know you will. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, there is no will I or won't I. It's just a matter of, I guess, time maybe. But yeah. I think building a small business is the best self-development work you can ever do. Totally. So we both have different ways of talking about sales funnels. You suggest a sales path with signposts. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So when I look at the, you know, there's all these terms in, in marketing and one of them that really I'm really allergic to is the sales funnel because this idea when you actually draw it on a piece of paper, you draw a funnel, you're like, oh my God, we're shoving human beings down a funnel and it's just kind of like freaky and gross almost. So especially if you think about what they do with animals and, you know, good to go into slaughterhouses and stuff. So it really is gross how we're treating humans. And so I wanted to find a different way. And what came to me is the gentle sales path where really what you're trying to do is get people into your world, right? And it doesn't have to 
be forceful and not everybody has to go down the same path really because that's also i think kind of my message is like let's empower our clients let's treat them as the smart human beings that they are and so if we give them a path and we give them different signposts and by signposts i mean you know the, the other word that i don't really like is lead magnet so that's what we're usually taught we have to have a lead magnet at the top of this funnel. And and so then we shove everybody through the lead magnet and into the funnel. And so I'm saying, well, we don't just need one of these signposts, bracket, lead magnets. We need several because we need to just be a bit everywhere. And for one person, it's going to be a podcast episode. For another person, it is a book. It's a written blog post. And then give them these different entry ways to our gentle sales path that then eventually leads to our serene garden. And that's kind of my word for the the sales conversation. It's like, I want them to go walk through this garden to discover all these different signposts and then sit with me in my serene garden to have a a sales conversation. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I I actually love creating the, the freebies because when I offer it to my audience, they're so grateful. Right. Oh, you're selling to me. They're like, thank you for giving us all this free stuff. Right. Exactly. I know. Yeah. 99.9, whatever, whatever it is. It's what only one to 2% of your list buys, right? Isn't that the statistic? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. By the way, listeners, that actually, we're not making this up. It, it actually, <laughs> it's like, it's like a one, one to 3%, I think of. And, right. You though who have small lists, like I know that there are people on my artists on my list with like only 400 people, that percentage is higher. So the bigger your list and the less warm your audience is, then that percentage. But for most people, on average, it's like one to three percent. So I know 99% of the people are never gonna buy from me and they're just gonna enjoy my free content, and that's totally okay. And then one percent will, and that's who I'm in the garden with, as you said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of gives us this more free approach that we don't feel like we have to be forceful because we know that we want clients who make their own decisions and we don't then need to clear any objections or convince them. We need to just warm them up and then, yes, you know, have this conversation in our serene garden but most often what happens if you market this way is that people just say, how can I buy? How can we start? Because they have done their own research and seen all your signposts and your freebies and all of that already. All right. That's beautiful. Okay. So there's a number of ways you can work with Sarah. First of all, her book, Marketing Like You're Human. Wait, did I get the name right? Like We're Human. Yeah. So we have right. a link to that in the show notes. Of course, you can f- just skip me and go over to Amazon, but it is linked on the show notes, shulmanart.com forward slash 239. We've linked all the places, Sarah. And then if you want to go deeper with Sarah, she has a way you can work with her. It's called the Humane Marketing Circle, humane.marketing slash circle. Would you tell us a little bit more about that community and what it is? Yeah. yeah. What I'm trying to do there and what I'm doing there is really 
creating a community that talks about what works. So it's not a community where you're going to learn the six steps on what you need to do in your marketing, but we bring questions to share. Everybody comes in as a leader and shares, you know, this is what works for me. What are you guys doing? And I really bring in kind of this hippie community DNA that I know I'm good at. I'm good at hosting the space and having people collaborate and share and, okay, what about this? What do you guys feel about this? And so that's what we're doing there. And it's a growing community. We have about 50 members now. And and I really feel like you're being part of a bigger movement for humane marketing, not just another community. Beautiful. Okay. So we'll link to that in the show notes as well. And don't forget Artpreneur. It is going to be on the bookshelves January 31st in English speaking places. <laughs> we don't have foreign rights yet. We're working on it. You can get it online. We've linked to all the places on the book pre-order form where you can get it because I know that people from Europe and Australia were asking me about that. So bookdepository.com, you can get worldwide free shipping from them. So we made sure we linked to that as well on the pre-order page, artpreneurbook.com. But we will not discriminate against you. If you want to support your local bookstore and th they can order it for you, you just you know talk to the store manager. All you need to do to get the bonuses is your name, your email address, and your order number. So whatever order number on your receipt, we will accept all of them. Okay, artpreneurbook.com. All right, so Sarah, do you have any last words for my listeners before we call this podcast complete? Yeah, what I'd like to say is that after listening to Miriam and I talking about this, I don't think you can unhear what you've heard today. And I really hope that it's planted a seed and that you will look at everything that you receive, you know, marketing messages that you receive, look at it from that humane marketing lens and feel, you know, like Maria Angelou says, it's like, does it make you feel good? Because if it's people that you want to hang out with, it's going to make you feel good. And otherwise you unsubscribe. And then once you kind of do that, then you'll also learn from the people where they make you feel good. You'll do the same thing in your marketing. And it's just like this ripple effect of making each other feel good. I love that. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for being with me here today. I'll see you the same time, same place next week. Stay inspired. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com.